everyone. Welcome to the Land Podcast. We're back. And I have to say, I really enjoyed my time here, quote unquote, off and spent a lot of time hunting across Illinois and Iowa. And I have a breakdown on the Exodus podcast of my season. I can give the Cliff Notes version here. Shot a buck in Illinois on November 3rd off of the first farm I ever bought. So I shot one off the house in 40, and then I now have shot a deer off the other farm. So it was really rewarding. Did a lot of projects that we kind of talked about here on the Land Podcast previously, and all those improvements made a big impact on the parcel, which is really cool to see those improvements make a direct impact. And then obviously here at the home farm, haven't hunted it a bunch, but I did sneak out once in October, and I saw all the bucks that I wanted to see, and I saw them interact with the improvements that have been done on the farm, and I'm hoping that a couple make it through. We will see, but just really cool to see all the off-season work and how the deer interact with it, and that's pretty much the quick, quick summary, and then went back to Iowa and tagged my best deer to date with Steve Hansen on a farm that he bought earlier this year. And the full chronicling of that story is on the Exodus podcast if you want to go listen to that. Before we get into this, there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are Exodus supporters, and I really appreciate that. And right now, you can save 25% off the website. You can save 30% off the Exodus render while supplies last. That went live on Thanksgiving. We still have some supplies available or some products available at that pricing, so you can head over to the website. No coupon code is needed. Five-year no BS warranty. You can check out our full arrow collection and everything else we have to offer and would greatly appreciate it if you're in the market and we could earn your business. I have some guests lined up here for the next coming weeks and we're going to be doing a deep dive in some different topics here on the Land Podcast. But before we get into that, I just want to do a recap on what's going on in the world of land and from what I've seen and some articles I've read. And I'll tell you this, the inventory is still really low. I feel like a I'm beating a dead horse here, but there has not been an influx of more inventory across the board. There's still buyers out there. The interest rates are definitely making an impact for a lot of buyers. I think people that could afford almost probably twice the amount of farm when rates were at three and a half or 4%, and now you're looking at seven and a half, eight 8%. And so that's a really big challenge, I think, for people to see when, you know, just in the short-term uh, memory of just a year or two ago, the rates were much better. But I think... 2024, early 2024, I'm going to guess is going to be similar to what we've seen here late quarter four of 2023. Obviously, I don't know, and this is just my gut feeling, but I do think typically the winter season and January and February is auction season for a lot of tillable tracks, and every now and and then uh, recreational tracks slip into there. So should be pretty interesting. I will say right now could be a good time to be shopping for a piece of land because I think a lot of people are in the depths of hunting season. And it seems like right after season ends, folks that did not have a great season say, okay, I want to buy something. I'm sick of whatever situation I'm in right now. I've saved up some money and I want to buy something. So it seems like there's more buyers that filter in here as the season concludes. So keep that in mind. Obviously, the less buyers you're competing with, the more advantage you have. So keep that in mind uh, throughout the entire year. So that's a little tip here for this week. So let's get into some news here. This is a snippet from my friends over at Acres, and it says cash buyers for Aglands may see expansion opportunity ahead. Land experts at Acres track and forecast national agricultural land price trends, while at the same time being able to drill down into county-level data affecting values and rental rates. Aaron Shu, who's been a guest here of this podcast a handful of times, data science director, says 
from the beginning of 2020 to June 2023, some interesting trends emerged. Class A land increased the most in price during late 2021 and the first half of 2022, largely because of competition among farmer buyers with strong balance sheets. But it was the first class to level out as the market softened in late 2022 and early 2023. Most of the land that changed hands in the last 12 months has been Class A. Class B and C land had also showed steady increases over that time. But Aaron explained the climb wasn't as fast and the land market softened. It didn't dip as much as Class A land. Class D had the lowest number of participating buyers during the next 12 months. It's likely higher interest rates and higher cost of production will tighten many farm budgets and may slow expansion. But for cash buyers, if an opportunity presents itself, interest rates won't be as important. They may, in fact, see an opportunity in less competition at local land auctions. Prices, however, are likely to remain strong over the long run, even if the pace increase slows in the year ahead. So completely agree with that sentiment. And I think that a lot of really sharp guests here have summarized that in their own words in that we have seen just a very strong appreciating market and land and a more stable appreciation of something that we have seen in the past, let's say five or 6% is what we're going to get back to. And, and that's going to level out and maybe average out. Maybe there'll be some years that are below that, but obviously no one really knows. And that's the fun of this. Had another article sent to me that I found really interesting and it's a very bearish outlook on farmland, but it is the insanity of paying 7% on farmland that only earns 2%. And so this is written by Miss Cub and it states, even for an investor who never intends to set foot on the land, if they're paying 89,600 annually in interest payments, then they have to receive an annual cash rent of at least $560 per acre for their cash flow to break even. She said, I know cash rents have been going crazy, but I've yet to see something quite that crazy. As Chad Gent at Farm Credit Services pointed out, however, buyers aren't only looking for an annual cash return from their asset. They're also looking and speculating to some degree on the long-term capital gain in the value of the asset. For investors, farmland has become an almost trendy alternative investment, and buyers are still really bullish on the capital gains piece because they feel confident the exit price won't go down from where it is today. Quality farmland never depreciates, according to Chad. This is... And then she states, this is true, not only for out-of-state investors, but also for local farmers who may bid willingly for farmland at record high prices with full knowledge of the grim cash flow perspectives. Established farmers may be thinking of owning land over multiple generations. So should farmland prices come down? Is there a bubble that might collapse if everyone in the market suddenly realizes how unattainable it is to pay these all-time high land prices? Gent says, long-term, we typically see farmland Returns tracking 10-year treasuries, which are at 4.4% today. If they get separated, they usually come back together eventually, but they are just so far off today. One, one way to see annual returns on farmland improve would be to see land prices suddenly collapse. This seems unlikely given the supply and demand balance. Both the scarcity of land available for sale and eagerness of buyers willing to snap up whatever is offered. Another way, of course, would be to see crop prices grow dramatically higher. You can argue all you like that justified price for the drought affected 2023 crop should be higher than it is today, but despite any arguments, it's just not, at least not yet. And thinking about a long-term commitment like farmland mortgage, buyers need to be making projections not only for this one year's crop, but for the next 30 crops. Cash corn at $4.60 for the next 30 years would frankly be a gift, according to this author. I know from my email inbox that readers of this column get annoyed and upset when it reveals uncomfortable truths about commodity prices moving lower historically and dipping below many producers' cost of production. This is especially challenging in today's environment when all the inputs underlying costs keep increasing. Therefore, they can't imagine anyone is going to enjoy reading this either. 
In fact, they suspect readers who want to buy land will find it even less enjoyable because buying land is emotional. It may feel like you only get one chance in your lifetime to own a parcel of farmland when it comes up for sale. And there are so many aspirational examples of wealth being built as the result of land ownership. The idea of not bidding just because the price is too high or the interest rate environment is unfavorable may feel like missing out or giving up. Chad Gent counsels that it is still possible for even young and beginning farmers to get started on land ownership in today's conditions. Don't give up. Building a land base is a valuable long-term pursuit. Just don't take a bigger bite than you can chew. Debt can be a great to accelerate growth. But when you have limited capital, you must be careful on how you deploy debt. Without the discipline to avoid buying parcels of land that are too big or equipment that is more expensive than you really need, debt can sometimes accelerate failure instead of growth. Which is basically everything that we've talked about here on buy what, buy what you can afford, buy what you're comfortable with, and don't have bigger eyes than you do stomach because that's how you get in trouble. So they state... Take your energy and intelligence and creativity and put it into a business model that will leave you ready for the future opportunity someday without over leveraging now and sacrificing the whole dream. So I'll link the full article to this because there's some interesting charts and it's a, it's a, it's a sobering read for anyone that, you know, if you listen to this, you love land and you want to figure out how to buy it. But I do think it's important to fully understand the full picture because there's a lot that goes into it and these interest rates are definitely challenging and you have lost quite a bit of purchasing power. And obviously for a lot of the cash buyers out there, this is a opportunity that they have been waiting for and excited about. So just like anything, there's, there's cycles. And I think we're definitely in a different type of cycle, <coughs> but the tried and true advice here, uh, buy what you can afford, buy what you like, and that you, you're not going to go wrong with that. So I think that's the, the biggest thing here, but a little grim, a little grim. Nonetheless. The next thing I want to talk about is some things I've learned over the last three years of owning land and owning land has been such a rewarding and fun thing that looking back when I bought my first farm, the, the nerves and uh, just being uncertain or unsure if you're really doing the right thing. And I can tell you this, it's been uh, some of my favorite decisions up to this point. And I think there's obviously <clears throat> the, we've talked about this before the Diderot effect of, okay, you buy a house and now you got to buy a garbage can. You got to buy a vacuum. You got to buy a furniture. You got to buy all these different things. And that same principle follows through with owning land. And I think that owning land can be as expensive with projects as you want or as affordable as you like within reason. And that's something I think that's really important because more than likely you buy a piece, there's going to be some projects you want to do. Maybe you want to buy some stands. Maybe you want to buy a blind. Maybe you want to get a little bit of equipment for putting in food plots or hire someone to do it or trade labor, whatever you have to do. But I do think that it's important to understand <clears throat> there's going to be some additional ex expenses once you purchase a farm. And the other thing is you don't have to do it all in one year. You really don't. So I think that's really important. And I think that leads into the next thing is the low hanging fruit projects make a huge difference. And more than likely, <laughs> When you look at a farm, you, you probably know what those are after looking at it uh, just from a, a gut feeling. And, and if you don't, maybe you bounce that idea off a few people that do have experience. And I can tell you this, some projects I did this year, I wish I would have done it year one. And it would have made a <clears throat> would have made a big impact. And I think the thing is they improved a lot of the aspects of the farm. And I wonder what the previous two years would have been like if we just would have done those from the very start. So don't be afraid to tackle those low-hanging fruit projects right from the get-go. Now, speaking of fruit, 
I planted some apple trees and some bear trees this year. And that's a, that's a long, long-term project that once again, the sooner you get them in the ground, the more, the sooner you're going to be able to reap some of those rewards. But I don't think it would be at the very, very high priority list of, of allocating funds to, to do that. But I think if you can, or you really want to, if you want to, or you can afford it, or it's something you would enjoy, then I think that's really important. So some other things that I learned, <clears throat> neighborhoods are really important. And I think that trying to find a neighborhood with similar goals or similar goals, or maybe an area where there's less pressure. And the reality is there's a lot of hunters across this country. And this is dependent. If you're listening to this in Michigan, it's going to be hard. If you're listening to this in a lot of the Midwest, it's going to be challenging. But I think if you can find a neighborhood where either it butts up to large pieces or um, an area where the deer have a little bit more advantage, it's going to make a difference because I can tell you this, the two different farms I have, one of them is a lot easier to hunt than the other. And the age class on the one where it's harder to hunt is I would say probably at least a year or two better than the other farm. So that's really important. And it's really hard to figure that out from just a listing. And it's important to, to work with an agent that knows the area or to not be afraid to call neighbors. But that once again, that's a nuanced deal because you call the neighbor and maybe they're, maybe they're just not going to shoot you straight. I had an instance where I helped someone buy a farm and the neighbor said they hadn't seen a deer over 140 inches that fall. They had 190 inch deer on camera and it was pretty funny because you know, the, those same neighbors, the neighbors are the one ended, ended up shooting that deer. And it was funny because, you know, they said there's not a deer over 140. And so that's where there's just a lot of things and nuances. And sometimes you have to follow your gut of, okay, this area really could produce what you want. And I understand that not everyone wants to try to chase giant, giant deer because there's not a lot of them in reality across the country. There's pockets, obviously, but if your goal is to kill a solid deer and you think that neighborhood can produce that, then by all means do it. And I think for someone that's trying to buy really any farm, like a, a first time farm, it's going to be challenging to find a area that's going to produce these really high end deer because it they're just far and few in between in reality. So that's something that's really important, but nonetheless, having good neighbors is really makes, makes the experience a lot better. So that's something that I would really strongly suggest. And it's one of those deals where you don't know everything going into it. And I think it's okay to move forward sometimes without having every single answer, because if that's the case, you'll probably never move forward. So that's something that's really important. Another thing too, is you don't want to be your own worst enemy on your own farm. So just because you bought a farm, I would still have plan B, C and D. Maybe if you're available or if you can to schedule an out of state trip or have some other farms with their, their permission or hunt some public, you can control your own farm for the first time ever more than likely. And so that means that you don't want to overpressure it. You don't want to shoot that deer that you're, you're kind of happy about, but you're not ecstatic. And because if you do, then he's gone. <laughs> and I think that's really tough. And I think that that's maybe one of the biggest shortcomings I see just across the board where <clears throat> a farm gets bought and it hasn't, hadn't been hunted really hard in the last couple of years. And all of a sudden three or four deer get peeled off the parcel. And then the next year or two, everyone just wonders where did all the deer go? And it's just cause they're dead. And that's a hard thing to, to look in the mirror and understand. But I think that's really important to not be your own worst enemy, but be your your own best friend and just hunt it really smart and be really methodical and have multiple spots to where if you have the pressure, I have to kill a buck. I have to kill a buck. 
just have a lot of options because it does just come down to a numbers game and the more opportunities and areas you can hunt, the more likely you're going to find a deer that you will be happy to shoot. So that's something that's really important. The other thing is I've learned a lot, a lot over the last three years. And it's uh, mainly thanks to so many of the guests of this podcast, people that I've connected with outside of it. And just don't be afraid to ask for help. There's people that have been doing this for much longer than yourself. And a lot of those guys are really, really generous with their time and information. There's so many great places to get quality information. Obviously there's YouTube, um, Iowa whitetail for any landowners in the Midwest is excellent. There's a pile of forums that you can just go on there and read about anything you can imagine. There's a thread about it with some guys that really know what they're talking about. And that's an excellent resource that you probably necessarily wouldn't find on YouTube but it's a great, great location. Another thing is rely on the government resources. So call the NRCS office and try to connect with the biologist, have them come out, take a look at it, express your goals. I think what was most surprising to me was the amount of resources that are available and how open-minded they all have been when you communicate what your goals are. And I think sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And so having some, some information prior to meeting with them or, or literally itemizing your goals of these are the top three things that I would really like to accomplish and asking them, what are the easiest wins that you see on this farm? Which, which things do you think are worth the battle? And that, that'll be a huge, huge piece of improving the parcel and leaving it better than when you found it. So I think that's really cool. And there's so many great resources out there. And this is kind of a quick episode as we get back in the swing of things. I think this type of content we're gonna have to do a deep deep dive but those are just some quick thoughts that are fresh on my mind after hunting um, the bulk of the later half of october and november so i hope you guys have an excellent week be sure to head over to exodusoutdoorgear.com lock in those black friday savings i hope you guys have an awesome week and we will talk to you again next week see you